think uh, now it is time for us to get back to a strong growth wagon. Uh, 2020-2021 was uh, a crazy year, a crazy bull run. Uh, I think 2022-23 is uh, going to be a lot about uh, proving unit economics of the business, uh, which we already started by, by turning profitable over the last two quarters. Now we have to demonstrate and uh, that you know we can do this for four to six quarters more. And, and with better unit economics, hopefully uh, consistent profitability uh, and increasing margins. Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on India. I'm Hari Arakli and my guest today is Bipin Preet Singh, co-founder and CEO of One MobiQuick Systems, better known for its eponymous app MobiQuick. In this episode, Bipin talks about how the company is emerging as a leader in the buy now pay later category in India, how MobiQuick aims to build on that, the bigger picture vision for the future, but also what lies ahead in 2022 and 2023. Bipin, welcome to this podcast and uh, thank you so much for making time for this. It's good to uh, talk to you again. It's been actually quite a few years since I actually interviewed you in person, hopefully. I'll get another chance to do that. Uh, obviously, you've come a very, very long way from offering mobile recharges. Uh, but for those in the audience who may not be familiar with your work, maybe you could start by giving us a sense of what MobiQuick is today. Uh, you're slowly becoming a larger financial platform. Your pay now, uh, rather pay later product is, uh, is it's really taken off. So give us a quick snapshot of what MobiQuick is today and then we'll go from there. Sure. So thanks for having me on the show, um, on the podcast, uh, Hari. Um, MobiQuick is a large fintech platform today uh, with more than 125 million users, three and a half million merchants uh, and a business which is now not only about payments, but also about uh, credit increasingly. And, um, you know, what MobiQuick offers today to the customers is an ability to uh, pay now uh, or pay later. And uh, given the severe lack of credit, uh, unsecured credit in this country, uh, you know, we are able to create a very large base of pre-approved customers, uh, more than 30 million uh, in our customer base who is approved for credit. Uh, And so our business has been uh, doing extremely well. And uh, last year, you know, we grew uh, high double digit percentages, almost 80%. Uh, We are are run rating $100 million of revenue and last two quarters were profitable. So as a business, uh, yes, we, we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. G- give us a, a quick snapshot of your overall business as well. I mean, you started out with the wallet. Now you have a pay later product and, and a larger fintech platform, which, uh, as I understand, includes a merchant facing or a business facing uh, uh, line of operations as well, right? With uh, yeah. Zach Pay and so on. So sort of yeah. give us a overall uh, picture of MobiQuick. Yeah, so see, MobiQuick uh, historically started as just simply an app uh, which where you could do mobile recharges and then you, you could do bill payments. It was a wallet uh, where you could load some money and then you could make some payments uh, on the app. Then we uh, expanded it to include all kinds of merchants where you could pay using MobiQuick. Uh, so this included the likes of Zomato, Swiggy Online Merchants, Apps, Parmesi, Make My Trip, IRCTC and so on and so forth. And then we expanded it uh, to physical merchants, uh, you know, which include the likes of Chroma or Reliance Retail, 
large organized chains uh, where you could pay with a QR code um, by scanning with your MobiQuick app and and uh, or any other app, and uh, the merchant would receive the payment. And then uh, you know all the mom and pop stores also, uh, where again through QR codes, uh, MobiQuick uh, users can make a payment. Uh, so while this was a larger payments business, we built and we continued to expand and acquire users. Uh, we felt that there was a strong need in the market uh, for credit, and um, the fact that we have a scale of customer acquisition and we have low cost of acquisition and we have so much proprietary data about customers. uh which is around payments how much they pay where they pay uh where they live etc because customers also do kyc we have more than 50 million customers with kyc we felt that we could address the need uh of credit by offering these users uh, a kind of credit line which they can use to make uh, payments across uh all the use cases of moviquick so whether you are paying your bills uh, on the moviquick app or your paying for food delivery or grocery or you're buying train tickets or you're just shopping you can use this credit line to make the payments and you can clear the bill uh, you know let's say after 15 or 30 days and then eventually you know these users could even convert some of these higher uh, ticket purchases into emis and uh, pay off in six six installments or 12 installments based on their uh, convenience Uh, so we have expanded from uh, basically users uh, who use their own money which is pay now mm. any given point of time to now also offering pay later uh, we still offer the pay now option of course uh, but it gives users a lot of flexibility uh, to be able to uh, defer their payments uh, and you know on the base uh, uh, you know 15 day product called zip uh, we do not even charge any interest uh so you can actually uh you know defer your payments and mm-hmm. still uh get the best uh payment experience which we which was always our strength um and at the same time you know get advantage of credit uh for a few weeks okay when you were talking about uh, having 30 million plus uh, pre approved customers for your lines of credit um, i was just thinking um, maybe uh, there are some innovative ways in which you've used technology uh to ensure that you know this customer base is you know really robust that in general most folks will pay back the money because at the end of the day i guess these are loans um we can tell us broadly what are some of the uh, innovations that you're really proud of yeah i think so uh, i think the innovation that we are really proud of is um, you know is is a score that we have created uh, internal score for our customers is called mobi score and that has taken us uh, many years to perfect Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not perfect, but uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a great uh, score which actually performs better than most credit bureau scores uh, for uh, users who do not have a credit history. Now, it's very easy to give credit to people who already have a high bureau score, let's say seven hundred, seven fifty, and they have a track record of repayments of loans. Uh, but guess what? In India, that number of customer is like less than hundred million, maybe sixty, seventy million, mm-hmm. right? These are people who have credit cards. you know have higher incomes uh, their salary typically uh, you know people like you and me and then they they can easily get access to a credit card they have good credit scores good track record of repayments mm. um but most of mobiquick's customer base and most of the people uh, i would say on the internet in india today mm. actually are not like that 
Mm. These are people who, uh, you know, you know, they they may be earning maybe uh, three four lakhs, anywhere from three four lakhs per annum to fifteen lakhs per annum, mm. uh, but they are not really, um, you know, uh, financially included. I mean, they are. I would say they have bank accounts, but they are underbanked. Uh, they don't have credit cards, and they don't easily get credit uh, from any bank. And they may get it for a two wheeler. They may, in extreme cases, get it for a home loan. but unsecured credit is very very difficult difficult to get um so in india like the number of credit cards is uh, you know is less than 50 million it's about 50 55 million this is after you know 20 25 years of private sector banks so what we found is that you know by giving um, by by understanding the customer behavior um around payments data um you know we could actually build a better underwriting model uh where we could predict the customer delinquency or the customer probability of default uh much more accurately and so uh, you know we built that using 400 plus variables this includes even the kind of handset that you use uh the kind of uh, you know spends that you do where you spend the money where do you live uh vintage on the mobiquick platform etc and so purely data science innovation where you know uh, after multiple iterations uh, multiple cuts um you know we've been able to get to a point where we can predict this probability of default with a uh, for a large number of customers like these 30 million customers uh you know we are able to predict it with a reasonable degree uh, out of these 30 million pre approved customers about 3 million people have already taken the product and uh, the delinquencies that we see is is sub 2% is under 2% uh which is actually significantly better than you know even uh, the top credit cards in this country uh so uh, i would argue that you know we are doing something which is working and uh, with every uh, increase in usage with more customers coming in this model is becoming better and better so really proud of this innovation and this is really putting technology and using technology to the for the for the right thing uh, you know which is uh, which is what it meant to be Mm-hmm. and would you say these are some of the things that are different about uh, pay later products in india and in particular with uh, mobi quick compared with you know how things are in europe or us and maybe like you know some of these uh, sort of big companies like uh, klarna at least big in in the sense that they raise like huge amounts of funding and so on uh, are, are there some interesting differences in the way you approach your customers and you know how it's done Uh, in these bigger economies yeah so i will talk about two different things one is i'll talk about how bino pelator in india the way we see it is pretty different uh, compared to uh, as you mentioned klarna or affirm in us um so or, or even companies like afterpay which eventually got acquired uh, mm. which started off in australia mm. in bino pelator in the western world actually started as a phenomenon uh for converting luxury purchases into uh-huh. income at no cost mm-hmm. right and why that worked is because the merchant always had a very high margin like you would buy a you know product from gucci or louis vuitton uh, or a rolex watch uh, or a exercise bike right or a big brand they would their margins are in high double digits like 40 50% margins mm-hmm. uh they are willing to pass on some of that margin um if uh, they are able to im- improve the conversion okay the checkout 
mm-hmm. whether it is an online purchase, whether it is a purchase in a store. So mm-hmm. what these buy now pay later companies did uh, very smartly is that uh, they said to the merchant that you give me some margin out of your 50% margin, you maybe pay me 10% and mm-hmm. I will increase your sales, right? And why it will increase sales is because, you know, I would not charge any interest and the customer will be able to convert the purchase into, let's say, four or five installments. Mm-hmm. Now, this model, you know, works well in Western markets reasonably well because, you know, firstly, the per capita income is pretty high. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the affordability is generally high. And mm-hmm. here, uh, you know, what they are doing is basically they are increasing the affordability further. Uh, you know, uh, because you can basically convert it into three, six, nine installments. Okay. Um, but in India, actually, how many people can buy luxury products or how many people can buy products with very high margins? Mm. In general, that market is pretty limited. So this model doesn't apply as cleanly uh, to India as it does in developed markets. In India, actually, the basic problem is people don't even have credit cards. Whereas in um, in US or Australia or Europe, everybody who has a buy now pay later product typically also has a credit card, mm. right? And this is just uh, building an alternative to credit card, which is maybe cheaper, which is more transparent, easier to use. Um, what we are doing here uh, in India with MobiQuick with buy now pay later is we are actually um, serving financial inclusion. We are expanding the market. We are giving it to customers who are new to credit. We are giving it to customers who don't have a credit card. Mm-hmm. We are actually bringing these customers into the system for the first time uh, with small limits, as small as let's say 5,000 rupees, mm-hmm. which they use it for making their daily life purchases like bill payments or groceries or foods or travel, etc. And then with that experience, they can then you know take the uh, spending amount to a higher level, uh, which is linked more to their income and affluence. Right, in basis how much they can spend. Now, mm-hmm. why this problem is not being solved by banks is because generally the bank's cost of customer acquisition is high. You know, when you have to offer a credit card, the customer acquisition cost is high, the cost of operation is high. So naturally, you have to give high limits to the customers in order for this business to make sense. What MobiQuick can do is because it has a large scale existing customer base uh, on which the customer acquisition cost is literally zero uh, and have proprietary data we can offer as low limit as possible. I can even give thousand rupees to a million, few million customers and mm-hmm. I can make money or not lose money, which, mm-hmm. you know, large institutions, banks, etc., riding on traditional rails can't. So I think this is the big difference um, between the Western BNPL model and the BNPL model in India. The BNPL model in India, I am very, very bullish, including, you know, the one that we are championing. I think the right model is to start small, for small tenure, short tenure, let customers use it, repay it, use it, repay it, learn how it works. And then once they understand the basics of credit, then you can take them into higher ticket products. You can take them to personal loans. You can give them many, many different credit products. Uh, but the key is to get started first. And payments happens to, off, uh, to offer like the lowest ticket size uh, with the lowest risk possible. Mm, mm. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about both of these things. Uh, you're able to make money or at least not lose money on like very small ticket transactions of a large number of customers. One interesting point. So uh, delve into that a little bit more and talk to us about overall, you know, what are the different factors that came together to 
help you to become profitable in recent times that's one part and then the next part is you know going forward therefore what are the biggest opportunities that you see uh, for mobi quick as a whole yeah so uh, look i mean what has enabled us to become profitable in the last two quarters um is basically uh, you know just focus on unit economics and we always had a strong acquisition channel for customers mobi quick is a known brand we've been acquiring upwards of 20 25 million users per year uh, at a very low spend uh, for the last uh, you know several years 3 4 years mm-hmm. uh, you would not find mobi quick spending money on ipl you will not spend mobi quick ads on tv you would not typically find mobi quick holdings uh, even then you know we grew 86% last year we clocked our revenue for the full year for uh, upwards of 75 million dollars mm-hmm. right now we are at 100 million dollars uh we've been able to scale this by because we know that the market is really big and if there is no uh, once you get to network effects and what does network effects mean uh, network effects mean that you know you are a accepted player in the ecosystem where uh, customers trust your service trust your product and especially when it comes to money you know that trust and credibility and that reach is very important So the network is formed by people, you know, how many people have used it and have given reviews or referrals to other people through word of mouth. Um, the network effects are formed by how many merchants you can use MobiQuick on, including large platforms like a Zomato or a Swiggy or a Make My Trip or Indian Railways uh, and the likes, right? Uh, and the QR codes and the stores, etc. So the general acceptance of MobiQuick, you know, in a Uh, in a as large market as india and even though we are in a very competitive space mm-hmm. has actually helped us uh, you know get to a point where we need to don't need to spend a significant amount of money on customer acquisition uh, which then you know uh, brings us to the question that you know then payments of course is low margin even though we make money in payments we have 20 25% contribution margin net of cost net of discounts net of bank processing costs but it's nearly not enough uh, to scale the business uh, to high levels of profitability which which we want mm-hmm. uh, and then enter credit which is what we started 4 years ago actually we started pre covid and it was going very well but then covid hit and when covid hit you know um, credit market you know as you know went through a toss there was restructuring and lot of different things uh, moratoriums etc so we had to take a break uh, for 6 to 9 months and then restart from zero and when mm-hmm. we restarted then then since then like end of 2020 early 2021 uh, we rescaled the business and and what we are seeing in the last two quarters is basically the impact of that scaling where obviously in credit uh, you know you're offering a service uh, which is uh, you know more valuable to the customer than pure play payments mm. and so uh, you're able to make more money uh you know even though we don't charge money to the customer uh, but you know through late fees or activation fees or uh, or or different kind of interest if you convert it into installments the margins that we can make there are uh, the top line is uh, significantly higher and it's obviously profitable we have a 30 35% kind of um, you know contribution margin net of credit cost mm-hmm. and net of collection and operational costs mm-hmm. in the credit business and sub 2% kind of delinquency uh, so uh, that has allowed us to actually get to a point where our fixed cost which includes people cost which includes 
IT costs and all other costs uh, start getting covered by the margins that we make. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is when we reach to a bit uh, level profitability and then our hope is to continue doing this now uh, for the next few quarters uh, and get to actually uh, producing more higher levels of free cash flow uh, mm-hmm. over the next four to six quarters mm-hmm. so yeah so at the sort of big picture level what are the biggest opportunities for you i think the biggest opportunities <clears throat> are clearly about you know uh, increasing the uh, the biggest opportunities are basically uh, about increasing the cross sell right i mean as a payment player we are well established we have strong um, you know acquisition channel uh, i think what we lacked earlier was uh, essentially you know about uh, cross selling higher margin products this buy now pay later is working very well but again this buy now pay later what we have started off with uh, rightfully so is a smaller ticket uh, product and then this smaller ticket product now we have to scale it to higher ticket in order to make even higher margins and even more profits mm. and that means somewhere getting into the territory of uh, of banks and you know offering loans of 100000 200000 300000 rupees mm. um, and i think that's that's a that's a good opportunity uh you know but of course there you know the cost of capital we don't have an advantage the only advantage uh, we will ever have is uh, basically better customer service and uh, using technology to reach to larger set of customers and lowering mm-hmm. the cost right mm-hmm. and, and so that operational cost lower operational cost and lower customer acquisition cost is our strength and mm-hmm. so that's where uh, you know i think we are focusing uh, a lot on uh, right now Uh, because we have a 30 million p approved base we have a 3 million base on the binopelator product now uh, and so the clear focus is just to expand uh, get more of the 30 million to join the 3 million and get more of the 3 million to start taking higher ticket loans mm, mm, mm. and and if you step back and sort of look at the overall fintech scene in india uh, what are some of the developments that you find which are most interesting which will have a bearing on your business i mean whether it is on the technology front or, or the regulatory front or uh, whatever efforts government is making to make life easier for consumers uh, and i guess to make it easier for you guys to do business as well but i guess it's that's a bit of a learning curve uh, as we are seeing so what are some of the most interesting developments you are seeing yeah so look i mean fintech in india uh in my view has already um you know gotten to a point where it's going to take off it's taking off i mean it's mm. probably outside of e-commerce or more than e-commerce it is um the largest probably in terms of number of startups or funding or whichever other metrics we look at mm. and so um technology has a huge impact here government regulations have a huge impact here and the push uh, uh, for the digital payments and upi we have seen all seen the results of that um, in front of our eyes i think if we travel outside india we now can realize uh, how archaic and ancient payment systems in other countries are mm. compared to what's happening in india mm. and i think they the same kind of progress we are expecting in the uh, in the financial space as well so payments is good Uh, but payments is uh, is great to start the journey but i think credit and insurance and wealth management is where a lot of innovation both from a regulatory point of view and technology point of view data availability point of view 
uh, is happening at uh, as we speak mm-hmm. and this is where i think some of the things that have happened in the last 3 4 years around kyc around identity aadhar uh, you know upi and um, you know now account aggregator uh, and uh, you know like so many new things are happening on e-commerce side also so i think india is really actually quite ahead of other markets most other markets and i would say us and europe is actually lacking behind mm-hmm. uh, i don't know much about china because china has been closed for the last couple of years mm-hmm. uh, but uh, india is actually probably the only global open kind of um, you know fintech uh, playing space and given still that financial inclusion has a long way to go to in india number of people with credit number of people with credit cards number of people with proper insurance coverage for all kinds of health or other kind of uh, insurance is still very very small single digit percentage mm-hmm. um, it means that technology will will play a pivotal role in uh, getting that penetration to the next 100 million 200 300 400 million people as india's gdp grows as per, per capita income grows mm-hmm. uh, so from that point of view i'm i'm, I'm extremely extremely bullish on fintech in india um, there will also be i think pushes and pulls because you know obviously the more traditional institutions like banks etc uh, will have something to say about the progress in of fintech because it's always often portrayed as a battle between banks and uh, fintech so regulation regulation has to take care of that uh, because banks are obviously the more favorite of uh, regulator <laughs> uh, whichever way we see it uh, but that push and pull is part of the development in my view is part of the progress uh, eventually whether you're a bank whether you're not a bank whether you're a wallet or not a wallet if you're operating in fintech if you're operating in financial services forget about fintech um technology is the only piece that's going to survive mm-hmm. everything else every other advantage you know is going to actually disappear mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the nature of fintech because ultimately money itself is you know is a virtual concept right money is was created money doesn't have value of its own the value of the money is the value that we assign and therefore it is tradable transferable completely digital right uh, so i am uh, i am very very convinced that technology players people who do tech well whether it be a bank whether it be uh, a fintech like like ours is the only are the only players who will actually you know be able to survive and grow over the next 5 to 10 years mm-hmm. for you uh, uh, overall what might be the biggest challenges i think you know um i think the biggest challenges in current fintech landscape are uh you know all around regulation only and the pace of change of regulation in this country around fintech uh, in all areas is actually extremely rapid actually so fast that a lot of people are not able to keep up and that keeps me uh, up at night also that you know you know go and scan the rbi uh, website tomorrow and mm. see what is the new circular that has come out mm. uh, and so i think that's that continues to be a biggest challenge for everybody right i mean in this fast changing world uh, one is uh, you know the letter of the compliance and second is the spirit of the compliance and then uh, basically ensuring that uh, the customers are protected at all times and you know we understand where the regulators are coming from also because obviously there is all kinds of players uh, in the ecosystem there are you know all kinds of scams that can potentially happen will happen have happened so um, customer trust 
customer education literacy and protection are the most important uh, parameters for the growth of fintech in this country uh, and i think there um, we are all doing a lot of work but uh, we are not there and i think that's where uh, everybody needs to invest uh, a lot and including mobiquit Mm-hmm. Briefly, do you want to talk about your take on this whole uh, prepaid instrument thing? I mean, does it affect you? Uh, what's the latest in the industry? Well, I mean, it does affect uh, us uh, in the sense that you know um, we um, uh, were using the wallet and uh, the credit line could go into the wallet. It was very convenient for the customers mm-hmm. uh, to use it in that way. Um, but from a business point of view, it has not affected us because. you know we are able to um, divert the money outside of the wallet uh, directly from the lender to the merchant without going into the wallet right so uh, for example if you were to uh, you know pay for food on zomato then instead of money going to your wallet and then going to zomato it would go directly from the lender whoever is the lender um, uh, directly to zomato and mm-hmm. so i think that way customer experience has not been impacted so far uh but you know it 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 is a, in I, in my view it is not a very progressive uh, step i think it's a uh it's some in some sense it's uh, you know it's uh, i try to i'm trying to understand the motivation behind this comes from the fact that many prepaid cards uh, start looking like credit cards and start mm-hmm. operating like credit cards and that was the motivation why rbi issued this clarification but i think it does affect a lot of genuine use cases where uh disbursal of credit into uh, ppis or wallets uh, is actually a very uh, good step or a good thing for financial inclusion it's been happening for 10 years so it's nothing new mm. right um imagine some institution who want to disburse uh, a loan to people uh, to their customers or any businesses you're saying that instead of giving it in a wallet you should give it in the form of cash right Uh, that makes no sense mm. right uh, if it was easy to disburse in bank accounts and if it it if it was easy for these customers to use the money in their bank accounts and use it and help it in their way then it would already be happening then you wouldn't need wallets but the reality is that in many many places those prepaid instruments with uh, small limits actually are a good use case where loan can be disbursed and and somebody can use it and then repay Uh, so i think you know there is eventually i do expect uh, that there will be some realignment uh, on this at least on the regulatory part um, because uh, otherwise you know it's a it's a difficult thing for at least some players uh, whose entire model is dependent on just purely playing on this mm. okay uh, again sort of at the big picture vision level uh, as we wrap up um, and i know that at some point uh, there's going to be an ipo uh, that apart can you talk about what is the uh, overarching vision uh, for mobi quick i don't know 3 5 years down the line uh, and maybe once you talk about that you can also give us a sense of uh, because of that vision over the next 12 months what are the biggest priorities so i think our all our vision is about um, see i think the way i think is in india is going the open banking way uh, which means that um you know money that you keep in your bank account and how you use it and where you use it will be very different mm. uh, so we want to be a preeminent app uh, not only for payments but also for credit for also mm. other financial products 
actually mm-hmm. for any financial product that a bank is able to provide because we believe that through our app and through our network we can provide a much better user experience much better technology much better scalability in technology um because you know i am an engineer myself we, we have a strong engineering team and we have done this uh you know year in year in for the last 10 years mm-hmm. uh, and so in some sense uh you know i'm not allowed to say this but we are becoming more and more like a new bank mm-hmm. and so uh, eventually it will be all about you know the money may still be in your some state bank or some hdfc bank or some other bank but you may <coughs> end up using the services of mobiquick uh, for everything that you do mm-hmm. fair enough sir so, sir so to you uh, in the coming uh, few quarters what are the things that you all are sort of feverishly working on what are the biggest projects priorities right now that need to get done over the next 12 months i mean the ipo apart in terms of you know your tech and your uh, sort of business uh, model and operations and things like that so we've done an excellent job last year in uh, transforming our company uh, to be ready for ipo mm-hmm. and we received approval from sebi also for going ipo uh we don't think it's a mean uh, it's it's a, it's a pretty mean feat because you know um as a privately held company uh we were operating in a certain way uh, of course we still had big four auditors uh, but the level of diligence that one has to go through in order to be ready to go public is really incredible and uh you know we um, obviously want to go public for that reason because it gives that level of uh, confidence uh, to us to shareholders Uh, that you know the company is being operated in a in a robust manner uh, even though it's fast growing uh, but it's not doing crazy things and so uh, we are very happy with that transformation i think uh, now it is time for us to get back to a strong growth wagon uh, 2020 2021 was uh, a crazy year a crazy bull run uh, i think 2022 23 is uh, going to be a lot about uh, proving unit economics of the business mm-hmm. uh, which we already started by by turning profitable over the last two quarters now we have to demonstrate and uh, that you know we can do this for four to six quarters more and and with better unit economics hopefully uh, consistent profitability uh, and increasing margins and the way to do that is only uh, by you know removing all friction in the customer experience uh, scaling up the tech part and the product part uh, even more and and offering more products offering um, more higher margin products um you know offering maybe even deposit products not just credit products mm-hmm. uh, because ultimately there are two types of uh, people um in this country one who need money and one who have excess of money uh, mm-hmm. so you know we uh, hopefully we can uh, we've done we've started doing well in terms of people who need money which is the people who need some credit um small or big Uh, now we want to actually also go down the path of giving returns to people uh, if they have excess cash and they want to deploy it mm. and and briefly what's what's the thinking on the ipo would you like to ride out or wait out this downturn uh, what's the thinking on that there have also been a few newspaper reports that you are you might in fact uh, raise another large round of vc money what what's the latest yeah so uh, i think you know ipo is a matter of timing and uh, you know going to public markets we want to go uh, when the time is right and time is certainly not right right now uh, given the kind of changes macro changes that are happening across not just india but worldwide and so i think we don't want to subject ourselves 
uh, to such stress unnecessarily mm-hmm. um, you know we are not in a hurry uh, but I, I we do believe that in the near to mid term ipo remains a priority uh, so um, you know we will have this thread open up once uh, we see changes uh, steady changes happen permanent changes happen in the markets the truth about markets is that markets you know the only two, two states in the markets are bull and bear so right now it is in the bear so ultimately it has to turn at some point uh, uh, when nobody knows uh, oh, it could be 6 months it could be 12 months it could be 18 months uh, so that's when you know we would be um, preparing ourselves again for the ipo and uh, like i said you we've already received approval once um we've done all the hard work of being ready uh, so hopefully next time when we go it would it won't be such a uh, such a big work uh, and so i am pretty confident that we will 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 get there um, you know in a in a smooth manner until then you know like i think growth capital uh, is something that we continue to work on uh, but we are not in a hurry we are looking for right partners um like i said we are profitable so we are not having any cash burn and so it's it's there is no sense of urgency or emergency around uh raising any any capital right now uh, but we i think the ideal thing would be to actually bring in some more investors uh you know uh, to uh, then take us to ipo okay excellent uh, wonderful in, uh, update within uh, no be quick uh, thank you so much for making time for this again and definitely hope to keep the conversation going sir Thank you thank you Arif nice talking to you after a long while That's it for this conversation you can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast apps I'm Hari Arakali thank you for listening